don't know what it was about me in seventh grade, but I was quite gregarious. Essentially, if you bend over and you you basically breathe in and out really fast, like 10 times, deep breaths, and then you stand up, and if someone pushes on your chest, you pass out. So if you if you have a medical reason why this is a terrible idea, just confirm like a terrible idea by, by yeah. emailing Adam and saying so, but... I think a recurrent recurring theme on this show is just going to be to investigating your middle middle school years. Yeah, and there's a lot to come from that. Put that content down. Content. For closes only. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. All right, welcome back into another episode of Content is for Closers. I'm laughing, Carlton. What is this? I, I didn't even mention it on the last episode, but this new habit you have where you do this, you do this Joker-esque smile right when the recording starts. Is that, what is that? I'm just trying to hype myself up, you know? I can't come into these things with low energy and sometimes low energy is my style, so... I like that. I just, yeah. I like I like doing faces when I see myself. So it it's more of a for the for the listener at home, it's more of the cartoon character Joker that you grew up with than it is like Heath Ledger or Joaquin Phoenix. So think think of that in your yeah. mind. And that's what I'm looking Next at. Next time I'll do a new face for you. I'll I'll try to get a different okay. character going. Um, the other thing that you could do as well, I, I I can't even get into. We have a great episode. We're going to talk about how to how to actually earn your first dollars in a thirty day period through content. But I cannot focus. I can't think until we get this out on the air. Can you please explain this psychotic game that you used to play? That you <laughs> you, you you. Let me let let me lay the foundation. So apparently, we were talking about getting lightheaded. Carlton's like. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, like when you're a kid, did you ever just pass yourself out or pass out other kids? And I was like, what? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you mean? I was afraid this was going to come up. <laughs> so there was a I, my friend. I had a really good friend that I knew who occasionally would find it funny to pass people out. So, yeah, for those of you who have never done it, don't don't try to sound. Uh, <laughs> leave it to the professional seventh graders. <laughs> I don't know what it was about me in seventh grade, but I was quite gregarious. There, essentially, if you bend over and you, it's on, yeah, you basically breathe in and out really fast, like 10 times, deep breaths, and then you stand up. And if someone pushes on your chest, you pass out. So if you, if you have a medical reason why this is a terrible idea, just confirm like a terrible idea by, by yeah. emailing Adam and saying so. But, we just thought it was funny because, you know, it's hilarious. And some, sometimes they would like mumble stuff. So eventually our teachers found out about it and that they put a, they put an end to that quickly. But, but by that point it was too late. It was, a, it was a trend. It's too late. We had already, yeah, we'd already fainted. So, and I think, yeah, I mean, lawsuits, that's one aspect of it, but there was a lot of things that growing up, like we could have just been totally sued for. So. I think a recurrent recurring theme on this show is just going to be to investigating your middle middle school years. Yeah, and there's all, a lot to come from that. Yeah, they're the best stories, better than any advice we can give. But we are technically here to to give some advice. We're here to talk about how to grow via content. Before we get to that, I wanted to see. Did you see this? Usually, you'd be the one to show something like this to me. Did you see this 
a test that Spotify is doing with their with the with the recorded reactions. I, yeah, I saw an article pop up, but tell me more. I didn't really dig super deep into it. Okay, so I'm pulling this from TechCrunch, and maybe we can link the article in the show notes. But basically, Spotify in a couple of countries, I think right now Vietnam, and they did it somewhere else before, are having users record their reactions to podcast in the app and then share them. So there's like this, you know, you, you, we, we do this all the time. You and I text about a specific episode, like, Hey, did you hear such and such at this point? Yeah. It, as opposed to doing that, you would just, I assume, press some type of button and say, Oh dude, they're talking about this thing that we wanted to discuss and then publish it to either a friend or, you know, to, to whoever's, I guess, following you on, on Spotify. I know a lot of people have tried to incorporate social yeah. into spot or into podcasting, but this feels different in that. I don't know. I just trust that Spotify might be able to get it done. What did you, what do you think about it? Yeah, it's interesting. There's two like big takeaways for this because one is every traditional media outlet out there, you know, for the last however many years, 50 years, say, was able to give one-sided takes on everything, right? And, you know, you had opinion pieces in the newspaper, but that was like, even that was somewhat one-sided. And really the, the advent of social media, what made it social was that people could add their two cents mm -hmm. and could, you know, put, they could comment, they could like, they could share. There's all these ways of engaging with it. And in a lot of ways, podcasting is more like the traditional media, mm -hmm. uh, in the, in the fact that there isn't a lot of ways to engage with it beyond the sharing. And so there's been a, several apps that have come out that have tried to add that element, but it's what's hard about it is you're having to build a network. You're having to have right. everyone play the same game of ball. So Spotify, they're a big, big enough player. And I think that's my second point is they're actually big enough, I think, to pull it, pull it off. And a lot of the reason that I've been excited about, even though I don't use Spotify personally, I've been excited about them in this space is they're making it so that Apple's going to have to compete. So mm -hmm. I know sometimes we get nerdy about podcasts on here, but the RSS feed essentially is at this, you know, I think point of inflection where we've loaded it with all sorts of, of data and information that it can have and feed to other people's devices, but there isn't a lot of post interaction that can happen. It's somewhat limited in that way. It's more for reading instead of for en engaging. And so I think these different platforms are trying to add levels of engagement and it'll be interesting to see where that goes in the next year or so. Yeah, I think as a creator, it'd be really interesting to have the data on what parts of your show were most commented on or most shared, what parts were end up getting clipped or tagged, whatever. And then and then obviously just, you know, subjectively, what are they saying? Is it is it positive? Is it negative? What's the sentiment? How can you change? So Anything for more information when it comes to podcasting, I'm all for, but just thought that was pretty interesting to see someone as big as Spotify getting involved in that space. Okay. I, I am one, one last yeah. thought or thread on this. I do think that there are a lot of companies that are making use of just audio recording in general. So like sometimes on people's website, now you'll see a button to submit your question to the show or to the podcast, or whatever, as an audio you know, in, in audio form. And I think now that our mics are better on our phones and there's just more accessibility in the technology space to record things in general, I think that will probably be something we'll see more of as well. I need to add that functionality yeah. to our show at some point. 
Okay, so you came up with a an interesting idea. You, I'll let you set the stage for what today's today's episode is kind of going to answer. But the idea is, how do you make how do you begin generating dollars when it comes to content? But but you set the stage for our hypothetical example here. Yeah, so I I think like we can get really deep on ideas around content creation and how to be creative. But at some point, there's a certain amount of practicality that people want to hear. Like mm-hmm. I want to I want to hear use cases or I want to see how that would work because you can get theoretical and you can kind of shoot from the hip when it comes to that. But if you're going to actually have to make a strategy, that becomes a little more tricky. So what we what we decided to do is come up with a hypothetical business. So our company that we are going to be going with is a B2B SaaS platform that helps sales managers, right? So something to kind of track analytics for sales. So nothing too complex. We're not going to get into all the product stuff. Basically, we got a software company that's trying to make money and they approach someone to do marketing for them. So what is that going to look like? And we're going to try to break down within a week, within a month, what would you have to do to start making money right away? These people want to see their investment. And, and I think a lot of times we, we talk a lot about content. We talk a lot about you know tactics and, and different things that you can do. But we're going to really focus on what would it look like if you had to make money fast? Yep. Yep. So we're going to talk about how to, how to execute over the first 30 days or lose your job. That's, that's kind of been my go-to is either straight to the well, end. Yeah. Either you do it well or, or you lose your job. So uh, let's start with a few things. I posted about this a little while on LinkedIn and it got some great suggestions of what not to do. Right. So to begin with, I think that's important. Many people's impulse, if they're going to ha- be in this role and they are supposed to, you know, execute some type of strategy, they're going to start with, okay, what are we going to name it? Like we need to come up with a brand. We need to, and it's probably a good impulse. The problem becomes when you spend too much time on this particular process. Remember, you've got 30 days. You have to make significant progress in that first week in order to even have a chance. So you can't, you can't earn all of the money in the first week but you can disqualify yourself from being able to earn money over the the course of the month. So wasting time on things like a name, taking courses on content strategy, you're not going to do that. You don't have time for that. Researching what the best tech stack is, like what's the marketing platform I should have? What's the email automation platform I have to have? Okay, all of that's kind of irrelevant. Or obviously writing some extensive marketing or business plan. I mean, all of those are obvious, but they're also, you know, even me probably where I'd spend a good amount of my time initially if I was tasked with trying to grow a brand that drives revenue, even though that's not where the dollars actually come in from. So those are some of the things I think you're, you should you know avoid when you're starting out. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I, there's, there's several things that I think people instinctively think of, and you mentioned a few of them but you can almost break it into like critical tasks and tasks that you think are critical. And, mm-hmm. and so getting really exact about what those things are that are, are absolutely critical is the most important part. And whether you're the founder or the marketer, I think the one thing that you need really, really quickly is feedback. You need the market to tell you something. And so, you know, working on the website, that's not going to tell you a lot. You do need something there. You have to have something like a, a presence of some sort. You do need a name, but you, you, you can't go so far and deep down that rabbit hole that you spend all your time there instead of giving feedback. 
Right. And all of those things, like we're not, uh, it's a great point because we're not de-emphasizing the importance of those things. Yeah. It's just to say that you get something out there and you can always change or improve or alter some of those found fundamental things down the line, right? Because once you have an actual audience, once you have actual revenue coming in, whether you call it, you know, X, Y, Z, or you call it Z, Y, X, doesn't really matter. It's, it's the fact that you're actually growing. All right. So that's all kind of a prelude. Now, here's what you actually should do. All right. I got the job today. What am I going to do tomorrow? Quick sidebar. One time I was, I got a job at an agency and moved it. It's the job that I moved to Chattanooga for. And a long story short, I was there for either four or six weeks. I don't remember anymore. And the owner of the agency, it's like a 300 person agency, gets indicted on usury in the state of New York. And so our company and all the other companies he owned, um, scumbag, but they all ceased to exist, right? In fact, there was federal agents at our desks when we came in that had weapons that were like, you can't log in. Okay. So I'm out of a job. Brand new wife had moved to, had had her quit her job. We moved to Chattanooga and I had to find another job. And I, I, I'm just remembering all of this right now. We didn't prepare this, but when I was interviewing one of the companies I was, I interviewed for was called Waco Media. They own a bunch of news outlets and some different things. And I was 25 interviewing for a director position that was going to be managing about eight people. And, you know, the thing that separated me from the rest of the candidates was following the playbook that I'm about to tell you, because what I did was like, they were like, okay, why should we give you this job? And I wrote an entire deck as to what my plan would be over the first 30 days. And some, I don't understand how nobody else did that. <laughs> like Nobody else did the, the work to say like, here's what my plan would be. And maybe that's not a common thing. I, I think it is, but, and so anyway, all that to say, this is the playbook that it was true then. It, it's broad enough that it's true now, but your execution of it might look a little bit different. So you start off by identifying who your target audience or your target customer is. Basic, but when you're thinking about earning dollars instantly, this isn't necessarily who your customer has been historically. Like at the, at the B2B SaaS company, you know, if they've been selling to enterprise accounts, that may not be where you get dollars in your first 30 days, especially starting off as an, in a new role. So you need to identify like, who is it? Is it a new SMB prospect? Is it an individual who works at an enterprise thing that's going to make a personal purchase? Like who is it specifically that we are going to be selling to and communicating to through our content? And the reason that's important is because of the next step. Your second step is to solve the biggest problem that that target prospect has. So if you're, if you're speaking, you kind of alluded to this when you're, when we're saying what not to do, but if you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to nobody. If you're talking in generalities, then your, your content is, is me worthless. We've struggled with this at times. Yeah. And so being able to get very specific as to who am I, who am I helping and what is it that is actually their biggest need in their work or in their business or in their life or whatever it is that your company is addressing. Those are the first two steps that you have to solve. And you should be able to do that through like one-to-one -one customer stakeholder interviews. That's even if 
phone calls, like texts. Okay. Very, very simple things to identify some of that. What, any, any, any things that you have to add there? Yeah. So the main thing that I want to add is you have, to some degree, you've got business like basics right here, right? Like everyone knows when you start a business, you need to look at, you know, your target market, there's these different things. So from a marketing perspective, you need to think about how to frame that. And if I'm, if I'm thinking about when I talk to somebody as quick as I can, I need to tell them what problem I solve and make sure that that's the person that, that needs that problem solved. You know, what is that going to look like? So that's going to kind of, in, in some ways, funnel down and narrow down who you talk to and then how you talk to them. So those two things, really focusing on that. If, if you spent time on anything, definitely spend time on that short one sentence framing of the problem you solve and, and why you solve it. Yeah, and I'll give you another example here. When we started this show, we we did this by being pretty selective in who our initial guests were. And as we recorded episodes with them, we asked them this question. I mean, I remember distinctly talking to Tony Miller and Mickey Cloud specifically about what is it that we could actually provide on this show to you, both as a guest and potentially as a listener, that would make it worth your while? And that's a very simple question, but I think it's it's a it's a good one to have. The other the other question you could ask, I, I stole this from Andrew Warner, whose book is ironically, I think it's called Stop Asking Questions. But he, he gives this he gives this question and it's what does success look like? Right? What does a win look like? I think is the way that he phrases it. In this interaction, in this whatever, in this engagement, in this relationship, what does a win look like for you? Your, is what you're asking your customer and whatever they respond, it's now your responsibility as a marketer to provide that and to make sure that that happens. Yeah. We said getting feedback is, is a great way to do that. And obviously, you know, having these conversations is, is something you're going to do, but if you can think like people may have thought that we would just say, the first thing you should do is create content. Well, right. there are some steps before that. But right after that, I think is having those conversations where you're not necessarily, uh, you know, you're not necessarily looking at it as an opportunity to create content, but it is absolutely something that can become content. So when you have those first conversations and you're talking to your target market and maybe it's a, you're just going through your own Rolodex first and you're saying, for those of you who don't know what a Rolodex is, (laughs) I just, just make sure we explain it right there. Our Gen X. Yeah, Tristan, this is what a Rolodex For sure. Let me just put this on the record. There's no way Tristan knows what has ever seen a Rolodex. She always kills us for our our boomer takes. She's definitely react to this. Yeah. Do you remember, did you have the one that like you could do the little slider down to the letter or the name and you push the clarity? For clarity, I never had a Rolodex, but I do know what they are. And my dad had. Yeah. Yeah. I, we probably had like the advanced version of the Rolodex. We had this thing that we kept all of our family's phone numbers in. Okay. It was like, it had this little slider and you just like with a pointer and you'd like go to the right letter. And then when you'd push the little button at the bottom, it was like a spring and it would just open wow. up to that page. It just blew my mind as a kid. And then I realized how simple it was. And, <laughs> you know, it's, no, so anyways, I, not to get too distracted, but this idea of talking to the people that you know that you trust that will give you honest feedback and then taking that feedback and turning it into content is an yes. incredible way to not just talk one to one, but now you're talking one to many. 
And so you're establishing this identity as that person who solves that problem. And people in the back of their mind, they're going to store that. And they're going to, when they're talking to friends, now you have the opportunity for many people to talk to many people instead of just you as the one person talking to that other person. Yeah. I think an easy way to say this is you've identified who your customer is, you've figured out how to solve their problem, and then you record yourself solving that problem. You know, you record yourself talking to them, you record yourself explaining, you know, whatever the solution to the problem is, but in some long format way, you, you document yourself, you give evidence to the fact that you know how to solve that problem. And that could be through a podcast that could be through a YouTube video that could be through a number of streaming, you know, depending on what you're thinking, it could be a streaming thing. It could be being very active in a Slack channel. Like there's a, there's a million ways to, for this to actually happen, but finding a long form method is, is the key here because of our last step. I'm sorry, second to last step, which is then creating ancillary content. You knew we weren't going to get through an episode without us talking about repurposing content. We need to get a a t-shirt or something around that. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's obviously to your point, that's how you get to the point where you're talking one to many, right? You've validated what it is that you are working on. You've ensured that it's relevant to that audience. And so now it's a matter of getting it out in as many different ways as possible. And while we're on this, I think we've said this a couple of times now, but if you're doing this, the lowest hanging fruit that you can get organic growth on right now is through any type of vertical, uh, quick moving video platform. So I'm talking about TikTok. I'm talking about YouTube shorts. I'm talking about Instagram reels. What, what happened? Tell them what, what happened with our Instagram last week. It was it last week that we had the big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a, a quick anecdote. Adam recorded a, a short, um, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the fact that it's about sports, but he was very energetic. And, and I think we, we just posted it and we just kind of followed the, the basics of make sure you get all the hashtags in there making sure you tag the right people. And I mean, within, I, th- I think it was in a couple hours, it had several hundred views. So, you know, once that algorithm kind of saw that it was performing well, it just did the work of boosting it on our behalf. And so, you know, it, it, it doesn't take a ton to get that traction, but you have to make sure you're doing a few of those things right, like finding ways to to make sure other people can discover it and find it by using hashtags or by connecting other accounts to it. Yeah, and just to explain the process on that, what I talked about was we had, you and I did an episode recently on stealing like an artist. I took one of the examples that you and I had talked about, which was Kobe Bryant, and made this short about how he built his career by stealing moves from other players and said, as a content creator, you should figure out how to do this as well. And like you said, it was, it was several hundred likes within a few hours, which our Instagram account, I don't even know if we have several hundred people following us. Um, It's a very small account. And then it did, it did well over a thousand on YouTube. It did well on, on Instagram. So that's not because the content was, you know, that dynamic necessarily. It's, it's pretty much what you're looking at right now, but it, is because we took an idea from a longer form thing that we had validated and then used it in another spot. So you do all of those steps. Again, trying to do this in a 30-day period to make money. So how do we actually make the money? And the way that we do that, Carlton, is you have to pitch an offering. 
you have to get to the point. This is probably going to be towards the end. This is probably going to be week two and a half, three, definitely week four, where you are pitching an offering. And I have three different types of offerings that I think you can pitch that will actually generate dollars for you in that first 30 days. The first is obvious. You've identified their problem. You've showed that you can, you can solve that problem and you've you know, announced that all across the internet. And so the most obvious one is actually solving the problem for them. This is in the form of a service-based business, right? This is what we do. We show that we know how to take messaging and ideas and help companies put them on the internet so that they can be found. And by the way, that's what our company does. If you need help with that, you should go to trustherd.com and start a conversation with us. So that is the most obvious one. You can, you can pitch a service to actually fix the problem on your customer's behalf. The second thing that you can do is you can pitch a product that allows them to fix the problem. Now, this might take a little bit more work. And so, it, you know, it may or may not be something that is realistic in the first 30 days. But having a product that is a tool, you know, they say every time there's a gold rush, provide the pickaxes, like that's the, that's the good business to be in. That's your second option. Your third option is to teach them how to solve the problem themselves. And to some degree, you're doing this through your content, but a course or an ebook or a PDF that you sell on Gumroad, Gum whatever, that those are all ways that you can generate dollars by teaching someone else how to execute and solve the problem. Anything, any other thoughts there or any uh, example? Yeah, I mean, really for the funnel, you can reverse it, right? So start by teaching yeah. them and then offering some sort of help or assistance with it in a way that they can do it themselves. And, you know, there's a lot of people that will get to the point where they're like, you know what? I don't want to mess with that. I don't, I don't want to do it myself. Yeah. Can you just do it for me? And that's where you end up kind of reversing it and, and ending up at the bottom of the funnel where they're relying on you for, for everything. I, I think an interesting idea is if we were to just take this real quick and, and run it through for our, our, our company that we've made up on the spot, mm -hmm. um, you know, starting with that first step of discovering the audience. So they say, okay, we know this is going to be B2B. We know it's going to be analytics. So what is our target audience? Our target audience is outdated manufacturing businesses. And so they, they narrowed in, you say, okay, this is, I shouldn't say outdated. This is manufacturing businesses that haven't taken advantage of modern technology. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, you kind of develop that as your persona and then you go to the second step and you start asking yourself, okay, how, you know, what is it that that's their biggest problem? The biggest problem is they don't know how, or they can't see the visibility in, in how they're you know, how their product is improving or how their product compares to other, other products. I'm just making this up on the spot. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing you go into is now that I've, I'm, I'm going to start recording my, me solving this problem. So you say, okay, I'm going to have a conversation. And then right after I'm going to take his three biggest objections to what my, you know, what our product did or how it worked. I'm going to take that feedback and I'm going to, I'm going to write content on, on all three of those. So you start with just you know, basically writing a, a, maybe it could be a tweet or just a post, a simple post. And then you take that post and you break it down and start making a couple of videos on it that get a little more pointed, make a little bit more energy. And then you see which of those have get responses and people resonate with. So yeah, it's just kind of like this waterfall of looking at 
some of those basic things we think about is just, this is what everyone does when they start a business, but then finding a way to quickly turn that into leverage so that you can have multiple conversations instead of just cold calling or, or trying to come up with people in a traditional way. Yeah. So that's it. You, you start, you, you get hired tomorrow, the next day, your first thing should be, Hey, Mr. Owner, who are five people, customers that I can talk to today or five prospects that I can talk to today. And I just ask some questions about their relationships with us. You find out what the biggest problems are. You begin to essentially create content that addresses those problems and then eventually pitch a service, a product, an offering that allows them to, to get that problem fixed in the future as well. So that I, I would love for us to hear from anyone who, who tries this or anyone who re realizes revenue as a result of this. We've done this and it works. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. Nothing here is shocking. But I think if you combine what we reminded you not to do with the simple steps of what to do when it comes to content creation, this will work for you. Carlton, before we go this week, do you have a tweet of the week queued up for, for the folks? Yeah, I can, I can queue it up real Okay. I'll start off while you're, while you're, yeah. this is re relevant to what all of the things we just talked about. This comes from herd client, Justin Welsh at the Justin Welsh on Twitter. And he get, he provided, this is two days ago. He provided his solopreneur tech stack. And I think it, you don't have to use these tools, but a lot of them are going to let you do the things that we just talked about very, very simply and very cheaply. So for website, he uses a platform called Kajabi. That's particularly helpful if you're doing some type of subscription or member payment or something like that. But it's the type of site that we're talking about. Easy to put together, not spending too much time, definitely not custom coding. For publishing, he uses at Hype Fury. Hype Fury is what I use. Uh, super helpful when it comes to both posting regularly and getting analytics off of your social. For newsletter, he uses TypeShare. For web analytics, he uses Fathom at UseFathom on Twitter. For testimonials, which is something we don't do and uh, maybe need to start doing, he uses at Testimonial2. For custom integrations, Zapier, Zapier. Is it Zapier, Carlton? Yeah, Zapier. Zapier. And for his personal CRM, my personal favorite, Notion HQ. So that stack, and now this is going to sound expensive to some of you, but just give me a second. That stack costs him $623 per month. Okay. Wow. The, why, why do you say, wow? It, yeah, that's, that's, that's not what I was expecting. Were you expecting more or less? I was actually expecting less. Less. Okay. Yeah. So that stack though, and of course his brain and his content and everything that he does. So this is not to say everyone could do it, but yeah, that stack produces $125,000 a month in, in revenue. So that's a, and decent, that's it's not healthy return on that $600 that he spends on the setup. So that's my, that's my tweet of the week. Love it. Good job. So this one is from Chase Diamond. Oh, email. I don't marketer. know if that's his, uh, yeah, email, email guy, email marketing nerd. So he says, here are some evergreen emails you can send to your list. So I, these are kind of broad categories, right? So a myth email. So what is like a common myth people have about your industry? Fake you email. And I'll say, I'll just kind of interject right in here. Most of these could be seen as emails, but also as posts, as videos, you name it, right? Number three is educational email. 
Number four is a secret about X. Number five is actionable tips. Six is number one mistake. And then seven is what to do if X. So those are just easy, easy things to kind of start the writing chain. Maybe some of you are struggling for ideas, but those could be really evergreen emails that start as part of a sequence or you're sending out once a month or even part of a content series that you're doing. So that was my right. Hopefully this was helpful. We got, we have done some very theoretical episodes. We've gone deep once or twice. This one is much more of a practical nuts and bolts. Here's how we would execute. So if you like this, let me know. I'd love to hear from those of you who listen regularly to us if, as to whether this is helpful or if you'd rather us just tell jokes and say some general BS, which is normally what we do. So, or tell yeah. stories about seventh grade. Oh yeah, either way, that's we're doing that either way. But yeah, we will. We'll catch you next week. Bye.